the afternoon session, Gold Standard University with Professor Napoffekri is going to about to begin. And the topic, I believe, is um, he's going to address is inflationary and deflationary spirals. Thank you. I don't think I have the words wrong, but I simply have the picture wrong. Remember, I finished the previous lecture by pointing out that the government is interfering with the arbitrage, in particular the horizontal arbitrage between gold and bonds. In particular, the government doesn't mind if you buy bonds with gold. Well, it certainly does mind when you try to cash in your quantum of gold. And this interferes with the uh, process whereby interest rates have formed. Because remember, we discussed that as the marginal bondholder sells the bond, the price of bond goes down. CSOC will send interest rates higher, and this is a self-correcting mechanism whereby the uh, interest rates finds its proper level, in particular the time preference level of the people. So these were the words I think I used, but the <laughs> mistake I made was that I uh, circled this and I said this was the government interference, whereas the government interference or the bank's interference is at this level. And this is the distortion which the monetary policy imparts to the free market where my interest rate is supposed to be formed. There are two other things which I want to add. I'm out of time, the last lecture. One is called the Fuller Fund Effect. Which is simply another word for this arbitrage. Fuller Fund was a British uh, monetary theorist who published an important book in 1844 with the title The Regulation of Currencies. And in this book he described the gold hoarding of the marginal bondholder. And if he's satisfied, he is registering his protest by selling the bond and getting the gold. And this is very effective. This is what gives teeth to time preference. Without gold hoarding, time preference would be a paper tiger, toothless tiger. But as it is, if the gold standard is allowed to work 
as it should, there is no government interference, then the fullerton effect, which is just another word for the action of the marginal bondholder in hoarding, bondholder in hoarding role, the fullerton effect will make sure that greater interest will find its proper level at the time preference rate. Thank you for So this gold hoarding is an important aspect of this whole theory. And Mises dismissed the idea of gold hoarding, calling it Deus ex machina, which is Latin for it means literally dog out of a box. So it's just a trick which fear, certain theorists are using to explain something for which they couldn't find a better explanation. <coughs> and I'm very sorry, but I have to disagree with Jesus about that. Again, this is not Deus Ex Machina. This is, in fact, how God planned the system to work. <coughs> this is how people, ordinary people, will regulate the level of interest. So that's one thing which I want to add to the previous lecture. The other thing is the so-called yield curve. The yield curve is nothing but the curve representing the interest rate as a function of length to maturity. So on the horizontal axis, this is time in years. So let's assume one, two, three years long, usually up to 30, but there is no reason you can continue further. The maturity of the bond, and on the vertical axis is the percentage of the rate of interest corresponding to that particular maturity. So it stands to reason, doesn't it, that the longer the maturity, the higher the yield. And this is called the normal. It's a rising curve, and asymptotically, a mathematical technical word, it's approaching a certain level, and this is the yield on the so-called consoles or perpetuals. This is in Britain. They used to have consoles. These are perpetual bonds. The government sells a contract whereby, in perpetual, the government is paying a certain, a certain rate interest to the holder of the console. 
The council can be bought and sold. This is the market for the council. So perpetual bonds or councils have a rate, and that is to which the yield curve is still asymptotically approaching. So this is the normal yield curve. However, given the fact that the government and the banks interfere with the market, the yield curve can be distorted and then it becomes inverted. And this means that the first shoot for short maturities it shoots up even above the consulary and then it falls back so it becomes a falling curve. This is known as inverted. This is abnormal, this is pathological, and this is the normal situation. And I add something here which might just bring the bell to some of you who followed my writings about the basis. This inversion here is very similar to backwardation in gold. The normal situation for gold to be contangled, which means that the distant future or even the immediate future is higher, the future price is higher than the cash price. This means that things are normal, there is a lot of gold and higher future price can coax gold out of hiding if there is any tendency for gold to go into hiding. That's the normal situation because gold is a monetary metal. Relatively it is a bank of environment. Relatively speaking, it means that the annual flow of new gold is only a small fraction of the total amount of gold in existence. Quite contrary to the behavior of industrial commodities for which the actual production is a high multiple of the uh, existing stockpile. So, in case of monetary disturbance, the goal goes from contangle to backwardation, which means the cash price shoots above the future price. And this indicates a shortage, but this shortage is only apparent. It's because gold is going into hiding. And uh, this can be refined by introducing the concept of gold basis. And this is an important analytical tool which I'm advocating. It's an important analytical tool to predict the 
among other things, hyperinflation or deflation, whichever the case may be. So I'm pointing now the parallel between bases and backwardation negative bases. This is what it means that I just explained. That the gold contangle goes into backwardation. Those of you who haven't read my paper on bases don't have to worry. I'm use this. I'm just pointing out this the benefit of those who have already uh, uh, through this idea of a basis contangle backwardation. That negative basis means backwardation. This is a pathology. Pathology of the financial markets. It's important, a very serious sign that something is wrong and uh, you can expect further deterioration. So this is a similar market phenomenon to what we described here as the inverted uh, yield curve. It shows a pathology, it takes further analysis, and uh, please don't uh, take everything for granted what the mainstream economists are saying about that, because they have all kinds of explanations. But well, this is a serious sign, there's an inverted curve. I think right now we are not yet in that situation. I think there is also an in-between, which is called a flat, a flattened yield curve, which is something like this. I think that's where we are. The suggestion is that it won't take a lot, of more, a lot more abuse for the flat yield curve to go into an inverted <coughs> curve. And this gives rise to all kinds of perverse incentives. And, uh, and uh, it could be accumulative, or cumulative is the word. In other words, once you have this situation, the self-correcting mechanism is breaking down, and the thing could get aggravated because of the loss of the self-correcting mechanism. So that's the concept of a yield curve. I think I also wanted to add the third thing. This is still talking about the productivity of speculation, the previous topic, which was the subject of the previous lecture. This is
along uh, uh, Boogeyman here, which is the idea of borrowing short and London long. If you think about this, you immediately realize that there's something wrong with this. If you were short and turn around and loan this to someone else for a longer term, there might be trouble. Because you have to repay it before your funding matures. And in a normal situation, you come to the market, but so what? I'll borrow again, and thereby I can continue this line to do this, by the way. Why is this something which is attractive? Well, the normal yield curve tells you why, because the interest rate you earn, you pocket when you land long, is higher than the interest rate what you pay when you borrow short term. So you borrow at a cheaper rate, land at a higher rate, and pocket the difference without performing any useful service. This is perverse, but it's done and it's done practically by the whole banking system. That's how they make their bread and butter. But this is going to destabilize the situation. This should be outlawed. This should not be permitted. In fact, what we are suggesting here is that if we ever return to the gold standard, it should be a so-called unadulterated gold standard. That means several things, but one of these is the important thing that there should be an outlawing this type of activity, borrowing short and lending long. And that's, if you think about it, I won't go through the detailed argument, but when a lot of banks are doing this, this has the effect of first flattening the yield curve, making it, making it flatter and flatter, and when it becomes unstable, then panic starts, and the panic will invert the yield curve, which indicates this is completely abnormal, the shorter term funds command a higher interest rate, but this means that the bankruptcy is about people are not able to repay their short-term loans because they <coughs> at best have uh, funds coming in later. And that creates a panic because there will be a shortage of short-term funds and a relative abundance of long-term funds. So this is what is happening. And this is sign of the crisis. And then, of course,
course, we need to cool quiet down, and things return to normal, but periodically this will happen again and again, because the bands don't learn from their mistakes, and they start borrowing short to land long again. So the cycle, the financial cycle, is being repeated. So this is what I wanted to add to what I have said in the previous lecture, and perhaps this is a convenient time to invite questions uh, if you would like to have further clarification. Any questions? It was so clear. Oh, thank you. Only a question. to help me explain because we came from an university curve two, three years ago. And as the crisis now hit and worsens, uh, the yield curve actually went back into normal. Are there any explanations you can give on that? That uh, uh, some time ago the yield curve two years ago, two years ago became inverted, yeah. and then it went back. Yeah. So, so this this is happening. You know, these crises happen and then return to normal, and again and again and. There are various other things to watch, like how frequently this reoccurs. Yeah, actually, actually, we had this feeling because what happens now is, is not in line with how it should normally happen. Because since we spent time, we had nearly for 10 years and we were in this phenomenon. And then the lady took over the whole positive thing from yields. What happened so far from the fact that the lady is at the yield curve at least went into normal. Which is a surprise and intensifies for me, not easy to understand. Yeah, yeah. But there is one thing we should make clear the Federal Reserve or a central bank is not able to regulate the rate of interest. What they can regulate is the very shortest which is probably as short as overnight landing rate. That they can control. But the bond market is just too big, and the central bank, the Federal Reserve, just, they don't have the financial resources to control. That would mean that they would have to buy up the whole, all the bonds to control, quiet down the panic or what have you. And this they cannot do. But if you read the financial reports or the comments of financial journalists, they always talk about the Fed controlling the rate of interest, which is a damn lie. They can't. They can only control the very shortest, you see. However, that is a great power they have. Why? Because in a crisis situation, they have to bring down the short rate to make it normal again. And that they can do again and again and again, but not forever, because you can fool me once, uh, what am I saying? Fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you. Shame, yeah. You see? Yeah. So, 
I mean, people can be fooled many times, but not forever. So anyhow, my point is that the Fed has a terrific power to control the situation because they inject, as they have injected during the past year, enormous amounts of short-term funds and exchanged it for bonds, which is simply uh, borrowing short-term lending long, but self-defeating because for the time being people believe that the market is pacified. No more trouble. The Fed has done its job and things are back to normal again. But they are not, and especially if these crises keep returning more and more frequently, then eventually the situation will be explosive. So that's what I can add to it. That's what explains that, that the Fed can control it, but only it's a limited control, and there's a lot of uh, smoke and mirrors involved in the process. All right. Well, then I continue with the proper <laughs> lecture, which is our job uh, this afternoon, inflationary and deflationary spiral, spirals. <clears throat> and here I'm basing my presentation on the following idea. We have this is schematic, it's an oversimplification, but the gist of truth is present and I would like you to see it. There are two markets. interference as the most 
marketable commodity was removed from the sea. And then silver did it to some extent, suppose that was also removed, and so on. Now, I already pointed out uh, this morning that this, of course, did not solve the problem because if they remove a dozen highly marketable commodities, there will be a next one which is left and, and it will be promoted as the most marketable commodity. So, in other words, the government can have limited success and the banks with this uh, action of uh, removing gold and uh, monitoring metals from the scene uh, because the, they cannot defeat the propensity to hoard. So if the ancient, or let me just say this as a kind of overview, what you should remember is that it's in the interest of the government, and this is proved by not just centuries, but uh, millennia, of experience, several thousand years of experience, the governments are trying to push down the rate of interest by hook or crook. At first it was crook and hook both because uh, the uh, usury laws sanctioned by the church as well because it was also a canonical sin as well as secular Landing was not at interest, was not allowed. And then later it was allowed, but still the tendency of the government and banks was to push down the rate of interest. And uh, uh, people's reaction was falling back on gold hoarding as long as the gold standard was operational and the government allowed gold to play a monetary role. But then the government, that was not enough, and the government had to go further, had to grab gold of the people, make it a crime to own gold or trade gold or do all kinds of things. And as a result, the hoarding, the focus of hoarding was shifted from gold hoarding, which is the least damaging type of hoarding there is because nobody can eat gold. But other commodities are really essential in the sense that you have to eat, you have to get clothes, you have to get shelters to survive and so on. And as a result, if the focus of hoarding is shifted from gold to some other commodities in commodity markets, then there is going to be suffering, which wouldn't happen if gold was allowed to uh, discharge its duties. A protest vote against low interest rate is gold hoarding, but then it's self-correcting and so on. Now, as a result of hundreds of years of government, inter government interference, what happened was that gold was eliminated, could no longer be hoarded as freely as before, and the propensity to 
uh, ore will shift it to other commodities. So as a result, there was a flow from the bond market to the commodity markets. It, this, what this means is that the government and the banks pushed down interest rates to a low level, and people reacted in protest. They sold the bond. But they didn't hoard the paper currencies because they were not that stupid. <laughs> you know? That would have been uh, going from a low interest rate to zero interest rate. Well, most people will see through this. Of course, Keynesians say, well, so what? No, all the people will hoard banknotes. But people didn't hoard that. People hoarded something else, whatever it was. It could have been sugar, could have been tobacco, coffee is a good example, chocolates, all kinds of things, even salt. And, and you can observe that. So there is a huge flow that you could call it protest. The flow of money from the bond market to the commodity market could be interpreted as a protest vote by the people who are protesting against artificially low interest rates. And this is very damaging because while gold has constant marginal utility, all those commodities here have a declining marginal utility, which means the more you have, the less value it represents per unit. And this is very dangerous because when people hoard commodities other than gold and silver, then they destabilize the commodity market. For time, for a long time, the price of commodities will rise. But they will not rise forever because of the declining marginal utility. There will be a point when the stocks of hoarded commodities will be so big that the smartest speculators will realize that this cannot go up. Because you see, when you are selling bonds, you push down the bond price, but this means push up interest rates. So you have to finance your holdings of commodities at ever higher interest rates. And this becomes exposed. And the smart speculators see that the end is coming. There's a panic coming. And then they start, I would call this panic. It starts with a few speculators, the smartest of the smart will spot this trend and they realize this cannot be uh, perpetuated and they cut and drop. And more and more people will follow them. So, what happens is, first, the money flow is from the bond market to the commodity market. This could last quite a long time. 
and at this point, we are not going to do the number on it, but there are various cycles. This has to do with the business cycle and the various other cycles. So let's just say it could be a couple of years, but it could be as long as 50 or 60 years while this flow continues. And then there's a panic situation and the flow starts backwards. You see, and then the stream goes into the other stream. You see here, interest rates rose and commodity prices rose as well. And then after the panic starts, they both fall. <coughs> so this could be characterized as inflationary spiral. The country goes off gold. 
a neutral term, no mention of violation of a contract, so that the banks can get off stock free. And another commonly used ex expression was stand still. It means that the banks can suspend temporarily uh, gold payments. You see? But this is a double standard of justice. And in civilization, this never pays. Because once you introduce double standard, that is going to be demoralizing to the effect, to the extent that ultimately uh, you, you lose the balance in society. You just, there's just too much power to grant to the bank. That you can do what you want, and if you are troubled, they go off gold. As simple as that. But it's not as simple as that, because the punishment here is an uh, action of from the government limiting gold movements first, and then removing gold altogether, uh, will generate a massive flow of funds between the bond market on the one hand and the commodity market. First, it's inflationary. It's reinforced, of course, by central bank intervention. It's just oil on the fire, but it's the same thing. More money going to bonds will generate, will reinforce that flow. It will not uh, diminish it. And the swing goes to the extreme in one direction, then panic starts because the smartest speculators smell the rock. They start selling commodities and putting the money back into bonds. And this could be a huge profit-making enterprise. Just think of 1980 when interest rates in the United States went higher than 16%, you see, and that was a panic. It, uh, the, the speculators started selling commodities. They realized that there's too much, including oil. Remember how the oil price fell. It was as, much, as high as $46 in 1979, 1980, and then it fell. I don't remember what the bottom was, but it was below $10 a barrel. Now that's a huge loss. So even oil was vulnerable because the panic flow in the other direction, deflationary spiral, uh, affected even oil. And fooled people, investors, uh, consumers, everybody. It was fooled by the fact that oil was falling. And then, uh, you know, we are suffering for it now because uh, we are back again on the other uh, leg of the uh, imbalance. So, what I would like you to see is that this is all a consequence of government interference. The best situation the most stable situation is the God-ordained monetary system 
the gold standard, which fixes foreign exchange rates, well, fixing is not the word, but stabilizing them, stabilizing interest rates, and creating a stable situation which gives you all the possibility of growth, and welfare, and uh, uh, general happiness. And then the government interferes and gives uh, special privileges to banks, including double standard of justice, and as a result, they try to neutralize gold, but this does not kill uh, hoarding, uh, the propensity of hoarding, because people will still satisfy their instinct or follow their own instinct and they will start hoarding as a protest against low interest rates and that will result in the generation of this, uh, this cycle. So in a nutshell, I, I would like you to remember this. This is how the system is uh, made the unstable, destabilized. So we can give names to it. This is often called, this protest tool is often called inventory inflation, people. Uh, you see, uh, this hoarding is so general that you cannot pinpoint that it's the housewives. They are hoarding uh, coffee or sugar or what have you. Or uh, more recently uh, in Washington, there's a witch hunt. Uh, the, the speculators are hoarding food and uh, people suffer as a consequence. This is so general that a lot of people doing it even unwittingly. They don't realize what they are doing. But just think of any ordinary enterprise. They are producing something, whatever it is. There is an input level and there's an output level. And they can practice hoarding and disordering at both levels. Every enterprise. And they probably do. I would venture to say that they do. They may not admit it because they may not realize it yet. But using leads and lags, they could speed up at the input level uh, the entering commodities, which represents part of this protest vote. So in other words, they are hoarding, they are ordering more ingredients of the products than is necessary. And at the output level, again using leads and lags, they might just do a similar hoarding and the combined effect is uh, uh, an inflationary phenomenon looks like inflation because more and more commodities are demanding than is necessary for the smooth functioning of the system and uh, people will have to pay the price. Society at large will have to pay the price. And then 
in the deflationary phase is just the other. They realize, these ordinary producers, <coughs> that their stockpile at the input level is too high, and they are probably going to face losses on account of that, so they try to get rid of it. But it takes a long time to wind down an overblown, uh, a bloated uh, uh, inventory of commodities, and that all adds to the deflation. And that's also true at the output level. I mean, we are just sketching the whole thing, but you can analyze this. Uh, you will see that this is a jigsaw puzzle and the pieces fall in place. It's, it's, it's very logical. Yeah. Um, professor, there's a lot of um, discussion now, for example, about speculation and hot money flowing into commodities. And um, do you think that's the result of gold being taken out of a release valve for this, or the massive amount of paper money just having to somewhere to go? Well, you have to put it in a very wide context. Yeah. Oh, you can't explain what's happening today by taking, um, say, 10 years, and within 10 years you want to split. No, you have to take a much uh, longer period of time. So I would say right now it's not clear, but I, I would like to suggest that there was a clear turning point in 1980, 1981, when the commodity hoarding reached the climax and the swing turned back, the pendulum turned back. And now the question is how far the pendulum will go? And there are arguments to say, well, it cannot go very much longer in that same direction. But I'm not so sure. Because a lot, of, a lot of people attack me, well, not attack, but criticize my views and say, you are talking about deflation, but deflation means falling prices. So where are the falling prices? We see prices higher and higher. My answer is, well, haven't prices fallen, including the price of oil from $46 to, say, $10? Now, oil turned around, there's no question. <laughs> I, I don't argue that oil hasn't yet turned around. But who says that all commodities have to turn around at the same time? Well, the most sensitive ones will turn around first. Oil did, some foodstuffs did, and so on. But, and then you haven't even mentioned the uh, real estate or housing market which definitely turned around and now they are falling. So, the, uh, you know, there are leads and lags. Keep it in mind. This is not black and white. This is a, uh, a picture which you have to interpret properly. But nobody is suggesting that all commodities turn around at the same time. So I would say we are probably close to the turning point, but you will see a lot more prices to fall. For example, uh, 
Well, the food picture is, is pretty clear that uh, it, it will probably just food prices will go continue to go up. But as industrial productive firms go bankrupt, this will create unemployment. And unemployment, and this is standard case, creates uh, lower demand, which will bankrupt other firms, more unemployment. And then the spiral starts. So take the car market, the SUVs, this, uh, 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 SUVs. Yeah, SUVs. SUVs. They can sell them. Yeah. However, at the same time, all the energy-efficient cars which they produce in America, there's a, a greater demand that they can satisfy them, you see? So it's a confusing picture, but you've got to <coughs> interpret it the way it is. I would say, yes, car prices are going to fall, by and large, because even those who buy the energy-efficient cars very soon will find that they can't even afford uh, filling the tanks of these. It's just uh, oil could be uh, just uh, far too expensive for that. So really, the picture is going to be confused, and a lot of people will uh, get confused by the general picture. But it does not mean that we don't have that. <coughs> and deflationary cycle. So I can't answer that. Are we still in the deflationary phase or have we entered the deflationary? And probably the answer is that the dollar may collapse before one could definitely say that yeah, we have made the turning point. Because the picture will be confused. And I can see that hyperinflation and hyperdeflation get mixed up, confused to the extent that it, it's no longer uh, important to categorize this is deflation, this is inflation, because it is a general crisis of the monetary system. And if you want to understand that, you don't think in terms of inflation, whether it's rising prices or too fast creation of money, or in a deflation, you might say it is destruction of wealth. All this play a part, but to suggest that it can, it is possible to sort them out, black and white, everything is either black or white is wrong because there are transitional uh, colors involved and it may not be you may not be able to categorize them in such a oversimplified way so uh, we have these two there's no question it's the money flow is money flowing from the bond market to the commodity market or in the other way uh, and uh, these extremes swing, turns back. I think this is helpful. This model is helpful. And we come back to this 
at a later stage. My time is up. But I think it's the last lecture when I am going to talk about Kondratyev, who was a Russian economist under Stalin, who uh, identified the super cycle, the granddad. Actually, it's no longer the granddad because they discovered an even longer cycle still. But at that time, I mean, it was quite revolutionary. He identified the super cycle, what today is called the Kondratyev cycle, as a 50, 60 year from peak to peak, 60 years, between 50 and 60 years. And, and uh, uh, it fits the model very well. I'm going to talk about this more at the last lecture. So all right, if you have questions, you can have a few minutes of discussion. Just one comment on the intuition yeah. that uh, commodity prices did rise. But you have to take into account uh, the inflationary measures of the currencies one to another. The, the inflation measure, measure of the inflation rate of the commodity prices is not that extended. Currently, they just nominal terms, they express it on, on a year-to-year basis, meaning that uh, you have 30% increase maybe in world prices versus 30% uh, increase in, uh, in currency devaluation, dollar to euro, for example. That the inflation measurement is not as high as, as you would you would you would express it in nominal terms just by giving it in dollar terms, for example, single single currency. Is this a question or a comment? Oh, this is one comment on your comment. On your, on your, yeah. on okay, your, your comment is well taken. Yeah, and that's yeah. one issue. Second, I uh, would like to point out that uh, on the inflationary spiral and the deflationary spirals that uh, the government does influence it on a day-to-day basis. When it tells the government to sell its reserves, or reserves, for example, they sell 500 tons a year or something, plus they, they have now World Bank reserves, <laughs> if the Congress approves it, which also, which also uh, messes up the picture, messes up the price levels and, 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 and inflationary measurements of the, of the particular right. so Thank the you very much. A very valuable comment. Yeah.